Hello friends and welcome. I hope you all woke up this morning with medicine on your mind. I know I sure did. My name is Sonia Surya and I am so excited that you're here with me on this unique journey in exploring various medical fields and how to navigate the educational and professional pathways within them. If you're like me and are thinking of a career in healthcare or are even just interested in hearing about different careers in general, keep listening to hear from a real professional about their personal experiences and advice. There is no better way to explore the field of medicine. And of course, if you enjoy this episode and others, feel free to share this podcast with friends and family. My main goal here is to bring as much knowledge as I can to as many different people as possible. So with that, let's get right into our interview for the day. So my name is uh, Sujara Subramanian. I am a cardiac surgeon. I specialized in pediatric cardiac surgery. I'm currently working at the Cleveland Clinic as an associate clinical surgeon. And uh, I think when I'm not doing surgery, um, I travel and we go hiking and um, basically just hang out at home and watch TV the rest of the time. (laughs) Sounds good. Um, So my next question is, what are all the educational steps necessary to get into the field of surgery? Um, and also your specific um, specialty, and then what was your educational pathway like? Sure. So um, I was born in India, and I did all my basic education and medical school in India. The pathway might be a little bit different for those who graduate from United States uh, uh, medical schools. Um, so speaking to my specific pathway, um, after I finished medical school, I actually thought I might start my training in the United Kingdom. So I went there to uh, explore my options, but I didn't really like the system in the UK. And um, I also met my future husband there. So we decided that we would you know, uh, pursue our individual careers in the United States. So everybody starts um, at the same level. Um, to get into a surgical residency, you have to go through what is called the USMLE. They are basically medical licensing exams. And um, there are three parts to it. In order to apply for a residency, you have to pass at least two of those parts. And the third one can be done afterwards in order to get licensed. Sure. Um, stop me if you think I'm going a little too fast. No, no, you're but, going fast. Okay, so after those um, exams and after you get your scores, there is an application process. Um, Nowadays, it's done through a service called ERAS, which is Electronic Residency Service. Um, It was the same even when I did it, except it's much easier now because it's all electronic. But those days, you still had to send in paper applications. Anyway, um, so... Basically, depending on your geographic preference, um, you know, one you look around and see where you might want to do a surgery residency. That's what I did. And um, there's a whole interview process that you go through after being selected for interview uh, after you've submitted your application. And then you get into what is a five-year program. Now, the pathways can diverge a little bit here because... As a foreign medical graduate, sometimes you only get um, uh, entry into a one-year, what is called a preliminary program. But uh, U.S. graduates predominantly tend to get right away into the five-year program. 
And then during that time, people use those five years to decide if they want to stay as general surgeons or if they want to specialize. Um, and that process we can talk about later, depending on, you know, yeah. the, the interests or the um, wish to specialize that people might want. Yeah, yeah. And so my next question was actually, um, if you could talk a little bit about different subspecialties people can go into in surgery, and then which one you chose to do. Sure. So general surgery is great because it's very broad based. And despite being broad based, it actually focuses in mostly on the most common problems that predominantly tend to uh, present either in the emergency room or anything to do with the abdomen. Uh, depending on which part of the body um, you are interested in, you could choose to specialize in those areas. So let's say you wanted to specialize in hearts, you would do cardiac surgery. If you wanted to do lungs um, or esophagus, you would do thoracic surgery. And within those individual specialties, you can even specialize further um, to choose either lungs or esophagus. In abdomen, a lot of people um, nowadays tend to specialize in colorectal surgery, which deals with diseases of the intestine. Mm. And um, depending on, again, the level of specialization in the center that you trained in, you could uh, specialize in hepatobiliary, which is the liver and gallbladder and pancreas. Um, you could go down the path of urology, which deals with kidney, ureter, and the bladder. Urologists typically don't have to go through the five-year general surgery pathway. They have a direct residency program that they can enter. And then, of course, orthopedics that deals with bone and skeletal tissue um, or muscle, muscle, skeletal, musculoskeletal tissue. Um, broadly speaking, those are the specialties. Um, and then above the neck, you have brain, so neurosurgery. Neurosurgery, again, is a direct pathway. You don't have to go through the five-year general surgery program. And um, specialties like ophthalmology that deals with eyes and ENT, which deals with ear, nose, and throat uh, are, again, areas you could specialize in without having to go through the general surgery pathway. Um, in the last five to seven years, they have uh, made changes to the cardiac residency so that you don't really have to do the five years. You could go directly into a cardiothoracic residency program. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, um, I was actually wondering where would... Um, actually, actually, I can ask this later. <laughs> we can <laughs> just go on to the next question. Um, so my next question is, what are some continued parts of education that you'd have to complete through your career? Um, so for example, like extra certifications or exams, research, things like that? Yeah, great question. And, um, you know, it used to be that uh, you would get through medical school, pass, um, you know, pass an exam at the end of your uh, specialization, and that was it. Um, it's no longer the case. So just to give you an idea uh, of what I went through, and each specialty, of course, would be slightly different. During your five-year general surgery program, each year there is an in-service training exam, which basically ensures that you're staying on track and that you're getting all the, uh, you're up to speed in all the knowledge areas. And it's, it's not as informal as one thinks because these test scores are actually recorded someplace that uh, 
also marks your progress in your career. After the five years, you take a board exam, which is the American Board of Surgery, and that is usually given in two parts, a written part and an oral part. And if you stay on as a general surgeon, that's all you need as the initial step. And then every five years to 10 years, there is a maintenance of certification process that you have to get through. And as part of that maintenance of certification, you have to show um, how many operations you've done, what research areas you're interested in, what your publications are, and what you have done on your own to maintain your ongoing education. It's called CME. So that's, uh, you know, maintenance of education credits that you have to um, show. And every 10 years, you have to renew your certification. Now, the same process applies to each of the specialties as well. So after I did my general surgery, I did cardiothoracic surgery, and that was a two-year program. And after that, I was eligible to sit for the American Board of Thoracic Surgeons, which requires, again, the same exact process of doing in-service training exams and then subsequently your board exams. Then I was foolish enough to do an additional year of training because I wanted to specialize in kids. And so I did a fellowship year in pediatric cardiac surgery, which then um, requires an additional exam uh, so that you're both certified in congenital cardiac surgery. So, you know, it depends again on each specialty. Neurosurgeons, for instance, might do uh, the American Board of Neurosurgical exam. And then if they chose to subspecialize, let's say pediatric neurosurgery, then they would have to follow that individual pathway depending on their particular board's requirements. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so my next question is, could you describe some things that are in a day in your life at work? Uh, you mean a day in my daily life? Yeah, like what are some common things that you do every single day in your job? And then also what, what are maybe some things that change day to day? Sure. Um, all of us, all surgeons start their day in exactly the same way. They wake up very early in the morning. And they uh, round on their patients. Round basically means to go and see each of the patients that are currently in the hospital that you might either have operated on the previous day or the preceding week or people who are waiting for an operation in the coming few days. Um, sometimes it can be a very brief visit, but if they're in the intensive care unit, which a lot of cardiac patients tend to be, they have uh, a lot of uh, details that need to be looked at. Um, usually there is a team that's by the bedside that consists of nursing staff and ICU staff. So we talk to them and find out what's happened the previous day and what the issues are and what the plan is to be made for the coming day. Usually by 7, 7.30, we're in the operating room because our first patient of the day is being wheeled into the operating room to get their operation done. That's another little discussion with the team about what the operation is going to be and what the plan is going to be. Most of our operations take anywhere between four to eight hours. Uh, they tend to be long operations. Uh, so once we get scrubbed in, we are um, involved in doing the operation for that period of time. And then after the case is done, depending on what your schedule looks like, you'd either go back and see more patients, this time in the office, or check on your operative, the patient that you've just operated on. And um, usually most regular practices, if you're not on call, you wind down by around 
six, seven in the evening and get back home. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, so my next question is, how did you decide you wanted to pursue medicine? And how do you think a career in medicine has shaped who you are now? Well, those are two very important questions. And um, each of those could, I could spend a very long time describing <laughs> each of those. But um, <laughs> but I was, um, I was still in India when I, uh, when we had to decide uh, after our school years, um, what area to choose. In India, those days, the choices were very limited for people that um, chose to um, take credits in math and biology and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, physics and chemistry. You had one of two pathways, mostly either engineering school or medical school. And, you know, I always wanted to help people and I from as far back as I can remember um, I've wanted to um, be involved in healing in some way but it was never really clear to me in what way Um, and there was a medical school exhibition we have we have a medical school in Bangalore called St. John's and there happened to be a medical school exhibition uh, that was just randomly spotted by my mom when she was going through the newspaper. And she said, oh, come on, let's go take a look at that. And so we went. And uh, for the first time in my life, I saw these preserved organs in specimen jars. And I was so mm-hmm. enthralled by what I saw. <laughs> I, I, to this day, I remember I did not even know what, you know, a liver or lung looked yeah. like until I saw those specimens. And I thought, oh, my God, I've got to do this. This is uh, this is just so cool. And so while I was in that exhibition, I made friends with a couple of medical students and I got all, you know, fired up with my questions. And they were so uh, impressed with my level of enthusiasm that they started talking to me about, you know, what the process is to get into medical school and things like that. And I think that's where the mm-hmm. journey began, really. Yeah, yeah. Um- I, I can actually completely relate to that. I, I think I've always wanted to be a doctor for, for quite a few years now, but I very clearly remember my first um, dissection in anatomy. Um, and we did a brain dissection first, and then we did a cow eye, and then we did a heart last. Um, and that was probably like every time I was holding a different organ, yeah. it was like, it was incredible. Yes. It was like my favorite thing ever. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like, it's incredible. I cannot, I still have like a very vivid memory of like holding the heart and looking at like the aorta and I was so yeah. impressed by yeah. all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really mind boggling that, you know, the structures take on those complex shapes and they look the way they do and the textures are also different and, you know, uh, and yeah. and and they are that way because they have a function to perform and then to try and understand the physiology behind all of that. So it's just um, yeah. mind-boggling. Yeah, exactly. It was really cool. Definitely, definitely kind of etched into my brain. Too. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's definitely like, I, like I said, I think I wanted to be like in medicine before, but then I was like, this is so cool. Yeah. Like, I have to do medicine now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Actually, since you said that, I remember I had a neighbor uh, who was in medical school and mm-hmm. um, he had these, really beautiful atlases of uh you know pictures of human organs and uh and then one day he caught a frog there was a rainy night and he caught a frog and he dissected it for me and I was so amazed by (laughs) what I saw the inside of that frog I still remember that so clearly (laughs) yeah yeah um so um 
And then the other question was, how do you think medicine has shaped who you are now? Well, you know, it has definitely made me a very, very different person. It's hard to tell. I don't really know that I had an identity before I became a doctor because in India, Mm -hmm. we become doctors at such a young age. Um, I was 18 years old when I joined medical school and um, it was a five-year course. And then my entire adult life, I've been a doctor. So I really don't know what it's like to not be a doctor. Uh, But having said that, I think as I've grown older, it's really, um, it's been very eye-opening for me to see all the ways that people have to deal with loss and, um, you know, their failing body Mm. and all the illnesses that they have to suffer through. And it's just made me, I think, a little bit softer around the edges and made me realize how frail we are as human beings in our physical bodies. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, What types of people do you think do well in surgery? Uh, You mean what personality traits are important? Yeah. Um, Yeah. In the United States, I think you really have to be very much a go-getter. In other words, you can't be uh, too passive and you cannot um, procrastinate and you cannot kind of take things easy. Um, So type A personalities in that sense do extremely well in surgery. The people that are raring to go, that that don't mind getting up at five in the morning, that are willing to stay till the job's done before they come home and not pass it off to somebody else because their personal lives took precedence. And, you know, um, those kinds of people do very well in surgery. Uh, the other group, I think, or another characteristic that's important is people who genuinely enjoy working with their hands um, and don't mind handling the tissues because, you know, it can be right. quite tedious and it can take a lot of um Uh, concentration and if and although there are different specialty the different areas of specialization that require different levels of that kind of focus and concentration at the end of the Mm -hmm. day you are invading someone's body space and so there there is a level of attention to detail that must be paid so um, people who are good at focused tasks like that tend to do well yeah yeah um, and the last but not the least, I'm sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. you. Um, no, no, uh, you're good. The, the last and important trait, and this is something I learned as I went along because I was not very good at it initially, is how to be a team player um, and mm. how to work with people from different walks of life and different backgrounds, all of who come together to get a job done. I think that emotional intelligence piece increasingly is very, very important. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for that. Um, So what are some challenges that you faced in your career and how did you overcome them? Um, That's a very complex question because challenges, as you know, come in different shapes and sizes and it can Mm -hmm. be very different for different people. Um, I think at a personal level, the biggest challenge obviously is the hours that you spend in and the very long Mm. days and, um, and the number of years that it takes to obtain specialization in these areas that, you know, can potentially draw on your personal life and um, can impact having a personal life. 
Having said that, there are people who do manage to do both, who are able to achieve that work-life balance um, and who are able to get the best of both worlds. So it's not completely impossible, but it can be very, very challenging. And uh, yeah. the more um, high the more high stakes that the specialty is, uh, the harder it gets. So for instance, if you were a breast surgeon, just as an example, breast surgery tends to be pretty elective in its nature. You can schedule the operations. You can decide that you just want to do three operations, three times uh, you know, of the week. And that then gives you a good balance, right? Of two days of clinic and three days of operating room and you still go home and have kids and you know, spend time with your husband and all that good stuff but then you take something like neurosurgery or cardiac surgery where each operation takes eight hours and there are emergencies that can come in through the door any time of the day or night then you don't have time for those luxuries and you have to compromise and you know choose one and make that your priority over the other yeah so yeah that that definitely makes sense um like that yeah so that i think that's a very big challenge which um some people both men and women but women more than men tend to um be more sensitive to that aspect Mm -hmm. of it yeah yeah and then um i just have one last question to wrap this up um do you have any advice for young people like me who are interested in medicine in general or even surgery specifically i would say go for it i think it's a very rewarding specialty it's very gratifying it's uh, mm-hmm. you get the sense of, you know, really benefiting somebody else and making an impact in the quality of their life, which is huge. Mm-hmm. And uh, it also feels good because you've do- done it with your hands and with your brains and with your right. sense of right. understanding of what the problem is. So that definitely has a lot going for it. Uh, on the negative side, medicine can be sometimes transactional in the United States and it can become a little bit of a mm-hmm. business relationship. And, you know, that's just more and more because technology has overtaken the personal side of medicine. But um, yeah, yeah. but I think that's to some extent a little bit inevitable just based on how we are progressing. But I think at the core of it, the ability to really make a difference in another human being's life is huge. And, um, and if that comes from the heart, it just can be, it can make it all worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That, that is great advice just to, just to go for it. (laughs) it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So thank you so much for coming and doing this interview with me. Um, I know that took up a good, like 23 minutes of your time. So I appreciate it. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I'm really excited for people to listen to this. So, um, so yeah, thank you once again. All right, Sanya. Thanks. Wasn't it just so wonderful to hear from such an incredible professional? I truly hope you were able to think medicine with me today. Again, my name is Sonia Surya, and I'm from Portland, Oregon in the United States. I'm always open to hearing new ideas that I can try out. If you have ideas for me, want to learn something more, or just want to send me your thoughts, click the voice message button on my profile at anchor.fm slash thinkmedicine or send it directly through the link anchor.fm slash thinkmedicine slash message. I'd love to hear from you all directly, and I'm open to expanding the type of content I offer. If you enjoyed this episode, share this podcast with someone who you think would love it as well. Thank you for being here today, and I'll talk to you again on the next episode of Think Medicine with Sonia.